This is the Power to Podcast, show 32. About a first impression being a two-way street, probably every parent before the kid leaves for school is make sure you make a good first impression for your teacher. Well, you know, we should be making a good first impression too. We have to make 30 good impressions or however big our class is. And so I really wanted to do that. And, you know, it fit into the culture of my room. Welcome to a real world education with insight and advice from teachers in the game, where current and former educators reveal what truly sets apart the great teachers and what it takes to make a positive impact on students. Whether you're in pre-service learning, new to the game, or a seasoned veteran, this is the show for you. You'll leave feeling inspired to take action because we are powering education by empowering you. everyone this is ken Herman, host of the powered up podcast and i'm here with my co-host mr matt bulletin board rogers matt it is august 1st when we are recording this which you have gone on the record before saying that uh this is when you turn school mode on your school district starts in the in the middle of august and so uh we thought we would talk a little bit about the first day of school the first week of school how we approach that um and a little story behind that as well but um it's August one. How you feeling? What do you, what do you what are you feeling for the twenty one twenty two school year? Uh, so I, Ken and I were talking before this. I just checked my roster, which came out. I've got schedule. I've got roster. Um, I've got first day of clothes ironed and ready to go. I usually take all my clothes at the beginning of the school year to the dry cleaners and just get them completely done and prepped at the beginning of the year, and then I can maintain it the rest of the year. So. Whether I want to ignore the commercials talking about back to school or not, it is coming um, quickly. And so next week begins uh, probably going into the classroom and, and getting it squared away. But honestly, I am not ready. Oh my gosh, am <laughs> I, uh, I'm not nowhere close to ready, but we never are. I think last year was very deceiving since we were at home from March on. That just seemed like summer was endless, even though we were working plenty at home. Um, the idea of two and a half months have just, well, I guess two months at this point, have just completely flown by. And it's been filled with what it needed to be, what we made as advice, taking time for ourselves, getting a few things that we don't normally get done, done, trying to better ourselves and, and um, connect with other human beings inside and outside of the profession. So... It's been a wonderful summer, um, but yeah, it, it's it's coming to an end quickly, and um, right now I'm in a little bit of dread, but that will shift to excitement in the in the coming days. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. It's kind of yeah, I I know what you mean. It's like the uh, you feel like you're um, kind of like scraping off scar tissue to to get started, but once you once you make it past there, then you then everything feels good. You're back in the you're back in the groove and you got the momentum going of, of being in school every day. So, so I know that feeling and I'm sure all of our education listeners can, uh, can relate to that. So, uh, for our show today, Matt's actually going to kind of grill me or interview me about something I did a few years ago when I started the year a little bit differently when I taught fifth grade. But before we get into that, Matt, just what would you say is your top priority the first we'll say the first day or the first week of school what is your top priority that you make sure you accomplish in that time so i think we've heard it as people's lesson lens and their exit ticket answers it's establishing a culture um, of respect but also care and support and trying to do whatever it takes to make that feel comfortable usually the first priority ends up being logistics this is a new room. This is how, where you are supposed to be. Expectations for bathroom. Here's the first exposure. The kids get to schedule. They don't see the schedule ahead of time. Um, so what is kind of drink situation and bathroom situation and lunch and recess, all of those different features, all those logistics. And unfortunately, I remember this being the hardest part is that 
first 25 minutes is the most important 25 minutes in the entire school year. And one of my gripes and one of those things that hopefully, Ken, you can kind of tap into through this episode to be beneficial is you have to establish what your classroom is going to be when you're introducing yourself to kids really you have the butterflies yourself you don't have these systems in place even as a a teacher who's been doing this for a while now i mean this is my 13th year i feel like i forget what are my priorities and they come back immediately when the kids walk in the door but if i were to, to answer your question i have no clue like it is out of my brain until they're there and i'm here and it's game on. It just it is a naturally occurring thing, but it's so important that you set up systems and expectations and um, a rapport between the kids from the moment that they walk in the door, uh, drop their things off, find a seat, and take everyone takes a deep breath and gets started. Yeah, yeah, it's um. You feel like you have a million things to do, but you also feel like there's only one thing that matters, but to be able to balance them and accomplish them is, is, is really important. Um, and a lot of those epiphanies came to me in, in, in what we're going to talk about today. Well, I think we, we've had conversations as well, and I apologize, the guest is forgetting, uh, I'm forgetting, um, she was a Spanish teacher and Laura. Laura, and she mentioned just the idea of knowing a kid's name is knowing how to pronounce their name. Yeah, how to say it, what is the preferred name um, is such an obvious thing, but it sets the tone from the beginning of I'm interested in hearing what you want and, and how you want to be identified this year. You were called Charles last year, but you want to be Chuck this year. Be my guest. I'm here to support that. Whatever the case may be, that comfort level is all you can can do to to support the kids. Yeah, and what I loved about her approach was she used Flipgrid. And so the, yeah. the kids privately told her that. Whereas, you know, I thought to myself, well, yeah, I always ask the kids, you know, what they prefer to be called. But you're doing it traditionally where you're calling role in front of the entire class. And you're asking them, is that what you want me to call you? They've never met you before. They're nervous. They're nervous to be in their new room. So they're just kind of nodding their head unless they're a really strong, outgoing personality. And so the way that she did it through a Flipgrid being private, uh, she definitely was getting what the students actually wanted to be identified as uh, by, by name with that. So uh, I'm, I'm handing the reins over to you, Matt. Um, we're going to... You know, Matt and I have had episodes without guests where we kind of just like discuss a topic. And for this one, we want to take a little bit of a different approach where it's going to be a little bit more about my classroom and an experience that I created for my students and with my students a few years back. So Matt's going to really kind of drive the conversation uh, here today. Let's get going. So to, to talk about this, to set up the environment, it obviously starts right about now, a few weeks before school technically starts. Um, and there are teachers across the country that have already started going into their classroom, building, building bulletin boards, figuring out seating plans, uh, obviously looking at curriculum. All of those features are things that are high priority to you. But what Ken and I've had known each other for years, and he essentially just scared the bejesus out of me with what his beginning of classroom kind of priority order and i know it was progressive we'll talk about it um but it just it blew me away that you could go into meet the teacher night in this capacity i'm trying to really drum up the excitement and and intrigue you go in to meet the teacher you go into the first day of school and you really build that first week as a, a an engineering design process that represents what you do the rest of the year it is glorious um so let's start kind of in like three different tiers two to three weeks out what does your world look like we can go we probably should go day of and talk about that first um just so the audience understands what's going on 
and then uh, move and on. Then kind of there. backtrack that, a little bit. Does that work for you? Yeah. So to, so what it looked like day one. So okay. So this was <clears throat> this was probably my fifth or sixth year teaching fifth grade, and my students walked in on day one, and there was a pile of thirty desks and thirty chairs sitting in the middle of the room, and nothing was set up. My desk was there. A uh, couple bulletin boards that I would typically have. I was I usually had more blank bulletin boards that we built throughout the year with different you know word walls or or things like that. But putting that aside, it was literally a pile of thirty desks and chairs. And I stood at the door, and the kids walked in, and the directions on the board were find somewhere to put your bag and find a friend or a new friend to talk to, and, and that was it. And so the, the students are walking into my class and some are almost, it seemed like they were oblivious. You know, they're, they're not really thinking about what transpired, but I'll say the more a, the, uh, type a personalities, um, you know, especially not to be too stereotypical, but like you have those really organized go-getter girls in fifth grade versus the boys being all over the place, just like uh, shocked, scared, like you know, their jaws dropping to the floor when they're, when they're seeing the way the classroom is set up. And so, you know, the, the reason behind it was I had made the decision that year that I wanted to transition into more of a flexible seating classroom. I wanted something a little bit different than just the typical 30 desks. And at some point, I'll never forget, I was sitting on the beach when I came to this realization. I said to myself, well, why don't I not set up the room and let the kids figure out what they want the room to look like? And I'll, I'll try to steer them in the direction that I want, but why not make it a joint effort? And so, so that was why they walked into the room that way. And so the first day we literally spent the entire day. And honestly, we, we spent probably about three days getting the room to where we wanted it to be. And so I did my traditional talk that I, that I give in the beginning. The first thing I say is that, you know, this is a safe place. Once you enter this room as a, as a member of this classroom, like I have your back for life, you know, I, anything you need, I will give you. It's not just in these four walls, but it's, it's everywhere. And we have our back as a group. We support each other. We protect each other at the cafeteria, at the playground. So I have that talk where I really, where I really just talk about relationships between, between all of us. And so I told them, I said, you know, the room is not set up. We're going to design it together. And the kids got really excited about it. And so honestly, I had no plan of how I was going to do it. You know, we talked about um, in a recent episode a few time, a few weeks back with uh, Linda from the teacher of the year from Montana. And we talked about, you know, sometimes you just go for a project and you don't really know where it's going to go and you, you see if it works out or not. I knew what I wanted to do, but I didn't really know how I was going to get there. I didn't know if it was going to take 20 minutes, if it was going to take two days. And so I split them into teams and I said, I want you to design the room. What do you want our room to look like? Everything is, everything is fair game. I have one request. You have to put my desk somewhere. That's all I need. And actually, the year after that, I got rid of my desk too. But you, know, that, it was, you have 95% of the real estate is yours. And so what was interesting, and I didn't expect this, and it, and it really fed into more of what we did, the students were drawing up the room. They were drawing their fourth grade classroom. And there's nothing wrong with the fourth grade classrooms they had, but I'll never forget this. I had students, groups that were saying, here's where we take attendance. Here's where we turn in papers for homework and all these little things. And it was, it was about systems like that. It was about attendance. It was about lunch count. It was about where to turn in papers, where to pick up papers. It was not about learning at all. And so I found an article on Edutopia that talked about what a flexible classroom was. I tried to find like the most basic one that I could. And we read it as a class. We sat at the front, everybody had an article. We dissected it, we talked about it. We and we did a compare and contrast of a traditional classroom and a flexible classroom. The article happened to have a couch in the picture. So immediately the kids all wanted a flexible classroom when they, when they saw the picture of a couch. Um, but it, it, it transformed the, the goal of setting up the classroom to be setting up a learning space. And so we talked about how, what would you, what would you classify? I'm, I'm sorry. What do we need in a classroom? And we decided we needed two things. 
we needed a place to store our space, or I'm sorry, to store our learning materials. And we needed a place to work. And so we, d we laid out what are all the places that you can work, laying on the floor, standing at the counter, sitting at a desk, sitting at a table. And, you know, what do you need to store your space? And we really decided it's like a 12 inch by 12 inch by 12 inch, you know, square or, or rectangular prism. That's all we need. And so it totally transformed the way that they that they redesigned the classroom. Um, I don't know. Do you want to ask me any anything specific? I know I'm kind of going on here setting it up. But the end result was, well, let's, we can talk about the end result later. Do you want me to Perfect. backtrack with, with anything? Well, before I go forward, what were some of those items that, the, and I know that you did this with subsequent years afterwards as well. It changed a little bit. Um, you mentioned taking the materials out into the hallway. So it was truly a blank canvas. Um, what are some of the points that the kids brought up that we almost have a fixed mindset as teachers of this is how it would be structured? I, I actually did a similar activity and I found myself influencing the kids of how it should look from my perspective instead of really having an open eye and open ear to what the kids were suggesting. What are some of the points that they brought up? Hey, we need to have this station or when they got away from this is how fourth grade did it. Just innovations or thought processes that maybe we aren't conditioned to have? Well, I think one of the things they started to, to talk about was how do we maximize our space? Because my classroom's not huge, um, not small. I would say it was a very medium-sized classroom. And it was, you know, how do we maximize our space in here? So we talked about, you know, seats and chairs. And we had a conversation of, do we have to have 30 chairs? If everybody's not going to sit at the same time, you know, um, do we need them? Uh, part of it was I had to, one of the most difficult things was trying to get them to understand how I taught and how we were going to be doing a lot of independent station-based, small group-based work. So them understanding that fed throughout the year of changing the way the classroom was set up because they started to see how, like, we didn't need the traditional front of the room very often because I met with small groups anywhere. Um, but even little things like, you know, someone sent having an idea like, hey, can we put a desk in the hall in the cove in the hallway for our attendance, lunch count and communication stuff so that we don't waste that space in the room. So I think one of the one of the most interesting things was just seeing how creative they were with asking questions or, um, you know, trying to identify problems or solutions to it or just you know, asking, does it have to be this way? Do we have to do that? Do we have to have this? Um, just getting them to kind of ask those questions. And like on the first day of school, those questions typically come after a month. You know, it was happening before lunch of the first day of school because I think they immediately saw like, you know, I, I always told my kids, this is our room. I always said that from my first year. They never got it until that year because I literally had nothing set up. Like talk about actually taking action and, and going out on a ledge for the kids. Like I literally didn't set up the classroom and I was letting them move anything they wanted around. Um, and so then one of the other big pieces that came out of that to, to answer your question as well was, you know, talking about like, do we have to use desks? Like, you know, where'd you get this table, Mr. Herman? Are there more of them? And so they actually went to the principal and asked if they could, you know, rummage through the storage room with furniture. And to, like you said, Matt, it, it turned into them finding like four more tables. And we decided to move almost every desk out of them. There was a few kids that said they would prefer to keep a desk versus a crate to store their stuff. And, um, and they were literally walking down the hallway on this on the first day of school carrying 25 desks and carrying big tables back as i stood to the side and just filmed them and and didn't you know didn't break a sweat carrying anything so which is right up your alley um so i have two questions and then we can kind of pivot in different directions you mentioned principal they went and advocated which i know they've done for other activities as well um, I'm sure um, it was wise of you to give your principal a heads up or grade level Definitely. members a heads up on that. 
So I want you to speak to that. And I also want to speak before I forget about it about kids that struggled with this structure. I, I think we have a, a presence of people in uh, the autism spectrum, um, as you mentioned, the type A uh, type personalities that really um, I'm saying, hey, we need to build comfort and you're creating uh, chaos. How did you provide uh, scaffolding or support for those that really struggled that normally wouldn't have a first day of school in, in college traditionally is you get the syllabus and you don't really do anything more. That's not necessarily the thing in elementary school. The first day of school is just icebreakers and getting to know each other. That could have been chaotic. So those are my, my two challenges. And then we can kind of bump to, to before and after. So I would say, um, I'll ask your, I'll answer your second question first about, about the students. So I did have students with autism in, in that class and they in theory should not have thrived in that at all, but they did. And, you know, the advantage there is, you know, it's obviously students with IEPs. So I knew who they were and I was able to, um, more closely monitor them, you know, aides that were in the room supporting the students again, you know, kind of having that open conversation with them to say, here, this is what's going on. To be perfectly honest, they probably struggled with it more than the, the kids did them like being uncomfortable with the amount of chaos that was going on in the room. Uh, and for the, the other students, not really knowing them too well, it was just, I had to do my best to make sure that I was just reading the body language of every kid, checking in with them as we went through the process and we made, uh, you know, major decisions like getting rid of desks. Every student submitted an anon or not anonymous, an individual like Google form, or maybe even just a slip of paper. I forget which saying like, I want to keep my desk or I'm okay with having stuff in a box or a crate and just sitting anywhere. And so I had about, I think it was six or eight kids that said they wanted a desk. Those six or eight kids got their desk. I didn't question them. I didn't say, you know what? Most of the class doesn't want desks. Like we're not doing desks. So um, I made every effort to show them that we were making decisions as a group. But at any time, if there was something that was important to them, that their individual opinion was going to shine through and be a part of a part of it. Um, and I would say it just, it takes experience and confidence in, in managing a classroom like that. I had been teaching in a student-centered mindset and instructional style for a while. So monitoring students individually was something that I was comfortable with. This was just a, a different facet of it. As far as the principal, yes, I told them beforehand, I said, listen, you know, this is my idea. This is, and this is why I want to do it. This is why I think it will benefit students, which is always what I'm saying to an administrator when I'm asking them permission to do something that is, that is wildly different. Here's why I want to do it. Here's why it benefits students. Those are the two most important things that you have to share with an administrator because that's what they can get behind. That's what they can support if they need to go out on a limb for you even, even one layer further. Uh, it was also important for me to ask that because as you alluded to earlier, our meet the teacher night, our you know open house, whatever you call it, is two days before the school year starts. So picture this. You have parents of 30 children walking in to a room of 30 desks and 30 chairs piled up. Actually, I probably took like 10 or 12 chairs off the pile so some people would have a place to sit. And the faces of parents was priceless. It was absolutely priceless. Now, again, I had been in this school for five or six years, so I had a, a decent reputation. A lot of parents knew me from siblings or just you know being around in the school for a while. But, you know, you could you could just read their, their face thing and like, what is this guy doing? He's not even ready for open house. And so when I did back to school that night, I, I talked to him about it and I told my parents the same two same two things that I said to my principal. Here's why I'm doing this. Here's why I think it's going to benefit your kids. And I did not have one parent question me or that night or ever about that. I had a lot of parents super excited. I asked them not to tell their kids. Uh, I wanted the kids to kind of like be shocked like they were. They were excited to, you know, be a part of that. And, you know, it's it's really easy to, in my opinion, it's really easy to get support when you answer those two questions. 
and when it's genuinely coming from your heart of you believing that it's going to be beneficial for their kids. And, you know, I, I reinforce just what you were talking about before about how it's going to support the kids, how it's going to make sure that they weren't getting overwhelmed or anxious about the experience. Uh, but all of those, all those pieces, it just, it really fed into what I ultimately wanted. And what I ultimately wanted was my students to truly feel like it was their room. They were not members of Mr. Ehrman's classroom. They were a part of the team. And I was just one member of that team. I was the tallest and the, and the oldest. That was, that was my role. And, and so, you know, it, it really just all, all fed into that. Um, and as you said, you know, to fast forward to the end of the year, I asked this group, should I do it again? Should I, you know, cause at that point we had all the tables. We, we even got some stools from like a, a donor's choose. We got a couple exercise balls. You know, I said to them, should I leave this class just set up while we're considering this awesome, flexible space that we built throughout the year, or should I start over? And they all said without hesitation, do what you did for us. They told me to, to stack everything up in the middle. Um, and it ended up just being empty because I wasn't going to carry 30 desks back. Um, so I kind of like, I stashed the tables away because I didn't want to lose them. Um, but I, I did it all over again. The kids, the kids next year walked into an empty room. And it's been the same result every time they said, start over because what they, what they love the most is that they did it. It was their room. It, it didn't matter what we had in the room. It's they, it could have been 30 desks. It wasn't about the tables. It was about the kids designing the space themselves. I think it's a, so if you're listening to this, I, I want you to take a deep breath and realize, because yeah. when I first had this conversation with Ken, it almost sent me for a panic. Um, I think I was most fearful about meet the teacher night. Um, I was because it is for the, the few parents that you aren't associated with yet. Mm -hmm. Um, we're also older grade in elementary school. Kids talk about their teachers all the time. Our names are not the first time coming up when the homeroom list comes home in the summer, your, your teacher, um, identification letter is. Um, I think, Ken, you bring up a good point, though. You'd been teaching there for a while before mm -hmm. doing it. And so there's elements to pull in um, that would be a little bit more conservative because I think that there's a, a, a tough balance of professionalism and a good learning experience. And I'm not saying that those are uh, on opposite ends of the spectrum, but it, you could quickly see how it doesn't look professional and you're playing defensive and you're trying to pull parents onto your side or students onto your side or administration onto your side compared to just actually being the intended purpose. And I think having some clout, having some reputation absolutely helps that. But there are definitely ways to pull it in. I remember when I did this, one of the things that I kept on saying is we're going to build our classroom together. And uh, that included our walls. Our walls were very empty. And I think this is something that a new teacher tends to do. And, and I get myself caught in it. I did this past year. We fill our walls and every crevice in a classroom to make it look like a great learning experience. And we don't use 90% of it. Mm -hmm. We don't reference that word wall. It was a vocabulary word that we talked about in the second week of school, and we stopped doing word wall words by the third month. There are elements of uh, tenses or the writing process or mathematical vocabulary, whatever the case may be. You put things up in your classroom and you structure your space in the classroom to be functional. And I think that's something that I try to be really intentional and purposeful about. It's hard because most, most of our walls are made out of cinder block. And it doesn't <laughs> look like a homey place to be. And it's not a paint that you can change. And it's not a shape that you can change. The only thing you can change is how you teach and the, the layout of the desks. But it... it, it for me, Ken, when, when you brought that up and you went on a limb and you obviously did the pre-work to make it possible, which I think was helpful. I had the same conversation with my principal. Another thing to bring up 
furniture. A lot of times we think about bringing our own furniture in and you'll realize based off certain places, especially if it's relatively recently um, modified or updated or built, they don't want you to bring personal materials in. Mm -hmm. um, so I found myself in the same place where I was going into storage closets of things that the district provided. It's a little different when you have like a little tote bag or a filing cabinet, but just some precautionary items that I just wanted to put out there is things to consider whether you're going to dive in. I guess going from that point forward to, to make that shift, Ken, mm -hmm. you obviously set an incredible tone and a lot of things that you couldn't have pre-planned you had to think on top of your feet because it was new for you as well. And that's the beauty of really the teaching that we all try to do, which is not, I may have a scripted program, but I try to make it come to life. I, I may have a, um, a assessment anchor that I need to hit, but I try to figure out a creative way to teach it. That's the, the art of teaching. Talk to us about what, the next month looked like the first month of school looked like because you, you already talked about hey it took kind of three week three days to get it situated correctly i'm sure you made adjustments throughout the year um but also so talk about those adjustments but also talk about the benefits about that culture that you created because uh, i'm sure you prioritized culture before this just is a concrete monumental way to um, set that standard. I go, I go back to that creeds crew mm -hmm. type mentality of you set a standard on the first day that stuck with them the entire year. So reinforce my statement and, and prove me to be right with that. Yeah. I, I to, to hit on a, a few things that you were talking about in that question, you know, you talked about se setting up your room and, and the first year teacher, you know, you know, very, especially elementary, but I'd say even secondary a little bit, just your real, it's your room. You're excited to finally have your room as a, as a teacher and set up those bulletin boards and, you know, those go for the, the Twitter, Instagram moments where you're, you're posting pictures. And I remember, and there, and that's, so what I want to say first is to, to go back to show three, a, a quote that always sticks out to me from Rhett Olin was don't do something because you hear another teacher do it and you think, well, it works for them. It should work for me. You have to do what matches your personality and your teaching style. I am very okay with just totally giving up all control and, and, and bringing it back or just keeping the, the boat afloat. If that freaks you out, if that panics you, what I did is not the right way to start the school year. It was the right way for me. And so, you know, but you can find pieces to modify the way you're doing things. And for me, you know, to hit on the quote behind me about a first impression being a two-way street, probably every parent before the kid leaves for school is make sure you make a good first impression for your teacher. Well, you know, we should be making a good first impression too. We have to make 30 good impressions or however big our class is. And so I really wanted to do that. And, you know, it fit into the culture of my room. My, I run a student-centered classroom. I need my students to be able to make decisions. I need my students to be able to advocate for themselves. I need my students to be okay with um, having choices and not being told exactly what to do. Well, in my mind, there was no better way to set that up than to demand it on the first day in a fun way, in a way that they've never experienced. I wanted my students... And this is, I, I, I truly think this is advice that any teacher can apply regardless of what you do on the first day. Are your kids excited to come back on day two? Right, Tom Murray is a phenomenal educator, educator to follow. And he, I, I remember seeing that from him. Are your kids running home excited to go back to your classroom on the second day of school? That is something that every teacher can strive to do. And maybe you don't do the syllabus on the first day and you you don't have to do what I did, but you do something different. What are you going to do that first day that's different that gets them excited to come back? And so those were the two things that I, I was trying to balance. And so, you know, to talk about what my classroom looks like, you know, for that first month, it's setting up those routines and those expectations of what small group instruction looks like, what 
Um, you know, what our class looks like, especially in math and reading, where you're doing a lot of independent work and you're rotating into flexible small groups. Sometimes it's just you and me. Sometimes it's four of us. It's, it's really being able to work on the fly and just adjust as we go, as I make decisions through the instructional uh, model that we're working. And so again, that first, that first day, those first three days fed into that. I wanted them to feel like they had the ability to make decisions and to take control to be able to be successful in their room. Did that answer your question? Yeah, it does. And I think that that's the, the, the key behind this. And I, I open by saying the most important time is the first 25 minutes of the first day of school. But I also want to kind of caution and say, you haven't lost the kids if it didn't go well, right? Mm -hmm. Like we have to also be malleable. And I think that's another thing that you and your model of being student-centered is really, here are ground rules, but you kids already know the expectations. You're not necessarily commenting on a kid for doing something that is in a gray zone of was it right or wrong. And I think that's an important thing, whereas we often can change as teachers. If it is teacher-centered, we can kind of change our impression of how we feel like something's going in our classroom. And I don't know if that's making sense, but what, I, what I'm going for is I feel like with what you created – it not only set a standard of how the culture was going to be, but it also set a culture for how the learning experience was going to be, how the culture of the classroom management was going to be, how everything operated from almost that, hey, Mr. Ehrman gave us a little bit of freedom. We could either take advantage of it or mm -hmm. we can recognize that he respects us enough to give us that chance. Um, and I'm sure, again, all you're kind of doing is kind of steering the group to what their expectation should be. Ideally, it's are we making it rigorous enough or are we diversifying the instruction to reach everyone's level as opposed to is everyone involved in what we're doing? Um, can you well, talk and to – Can I jump in for a second? Yeah. Um, you know, to – what you asked about earlier about the, you know, the A-type personalities and the kids that you know are going to struggle in, in what you could very well describe as a, a chaotic room, especially the first day. I, I've i always found that, and I don't know, and I kind of am realizing this now, I, I feel guilty almost saying, like, everybody does well in this environment. Like, I know there should be people that struggle, but they don't. And, and part of me thinks, like, am I just not paying good enough attention? Do I not know my kids well enough to be able to honestly answer that? But the impression that I gave them from the moment they walked in and then really finding out why the room looked the way they looked is I was telling them, you are the most important thing slash person in this room. I am, I left everything out for you. This is, I, I'm, this is your space. When you walk into a room, and there's nothing wrong with this, but when you walk into a room and all of their workbooks are neatly stacked and you spend time writing, they write their names on every workbook so that they don't lose them. What are you saying is the most important thing in the room? And, you know, I'm not saying this to, to discredit any teacher that does that because I did it and we still eventually do it. But does it have to be the first day of school? Do you have to give out the math workbooks that you're not going to use? on the first day of school, why can't you do that the second day? I was saying to them, you are the most important thing for me in this room for the year. We will learn. And, and I tell them like, listen, you may, you may have heard my room is fun. This may look fun. I'm going to make you work harder than you've ever worked before, but it's going to be different. Interesting. Can I, can I challenge you real quick? Cause what yeah. I'm taking as a feedback and maybe I am a person that hands out materials on the first day because we can get it out of the way and get into certain things. Not, not necessarily what they walk into, but mm -hmm. what you're saying is the reason that you feel like it works for everyone. I'm, I'm just making a hypothesis. It works for everyone because they've done five years of school before they came to you. 
So they know what the first day of school looks like over and over again. Hey, this is how it rolls and beyond. Um, I would imagine if you, if a second grade teacher or first grade teacher, especially this past year with COVID, if they were at home, you may have to create an environment that is super structured. It's yeah. naturally going to be more structured anyway. If I was teaching I guess, second grade, it would look different. There's no way I would be able to do it exactly the same way. You're 100% so, right. So I guess with that element of kids know how to be students at the point that they came to see you, which they can make those adjustments and say, hey, we're just jumping into an activity in mm-hmm. fifth grade. How would you adjust and say, hey, I want to create a maybe not similar experience, but a, a student, student-centered or, uh, hey, my, I'm prioritizing you at a primary grade where we won't say kindergarten. Kindergarten is a total different beast that mm-hmm. they are just learning They're how babies. to live right yeah. the and and even first grade is tough in that realm too but mm-hmm. if you were to be a primary teacher and say i i want to prioritize my kids and i want to want them to feel like this is a safe space and i want this to be something that we build off of how can you again off the top of your head maybe not take all of what you do on the first day of school but features that could portray a similar message with more structure so I would definitely say I would definitely I would not hand out any learning materials on the first day. I just don't think it's necessary. I would definitely want to have activities, icebreaker games set up that kind of model expectations for what learning looks like. So I even as a primary teacher when I taught second grade, I still used a lot of stations in that room. And so even setting up, you know, games for them to go to from station to station. So they literally feel what movement looks like in the room, um, you know, because when you do things like this and when I did this activity, you l- really quickly learn who your kids are, what the personality types are, who the leaders are, who the, you know, the goof offs are, all that kind of stuff. I-, I learned it quicker than I ever had. So I would say, you know, still getting back to trying to create an experience that kind of will match what the room will look like. Um, those, those, are, those would be the two things that, that pop off the top of my head in regards to that question. So a follow-up question, um, whether it's second grade, whether it's fifth grade, whatever the case may be, through this environment, what did you feel like were the must-have rules of your classroom? Because we could all say, like, raise your hand if you want to speak, remain in your chair, um, unless you're moving around for a specific purpose. What did you feel? And I feel like a first day of school traditional activity is, all right, class, let's brainstorm a list of rules and we're all going to put them together and you're going to write them so that if Mm -hmm. you wrote them, then you know how to abide. Yeah, like you abide by it because you came up with these rules realistically as you mentioned kind of with your classroom structure mm-hmm. it was the same rules that they followed in third grade or or the years before so what are some of the the guidelines or kind of focus principles that you said hey i need to prioritize this so that it didn't get out of hand so what's interesting is that what could be considered kind of a fluffy activity where, you know, you, like you said, you write the rules. It's the same rules every year because the kids write the same rules every year. They sign it. We did do that, but it actually had way more meaning than we ever had before. And it was a lot of what do we need to do to independently be successful in a flexible learning space? Once we had gotten to that point of setting up a flexible classroom and what do we need to do? Uh, in terms of others interacting with others to make it a successful place. And so we kind of had a poster that I designed with the the topics that we came up with and we kept adding to it throughout the year. Some of the big things were about um, like choosing your best working environment because they could work anywhere that they wanted on a daily basis. And so it was, um, you know, choosing to work. If, if you don't work well with your friends, don't sit with your friends. If you do work well with your friends, sit with your friends. 
That's a choice that you have to make. And that's something that a lot of kids learn throughout the year and realize like, wow, I just don't do my work if I sit with my friends. And you have others that they sit next to their friend. They don't talk to them the whole time, but they just like that, that physical presence. Um, another, another really big thing that came out of that was just about mutual respect towards others. And, you know, if you're, so at some point we had like three of the big exercise balls that you could sit on and the same kids get to school early and the same kids get to school late because of their buses. The same kids were sitting on them every day. And so we had a conversation of, if you're the first person in the room, does that mean that you should choose what everybody would regard as like the coolest seat in the room every day just because it's open? And so getting them to realize that they had to make decisions that weren't selfish. They ha and I think that phrase might've been on there, like don't be selfish, something along those lines. Because you know, every time that you choose to sit somewhere that you know you've sat in multiple days in a row, you're choosing to not allow somebody else to sit there. And so getting them to like step outside of their own mindset to realize that because you have the shyer kids that like aren't willing to ask, you know, um, things like, you know, uh, like asking someone, can I have that? Like, do you mind if I sit there today? I haven't sat there in a while and really choosing how do you want to answer people? Do you want to be nice and say, yeah, sure, go ahead. Or do you want to say no? Well, if you say no, just keep in mind that person is probably going to say no to you next time you ask. So all those pieces about just like creating like a community where you feel respected and you are respectful towards others were the big things that came out of that initial established the rules. And it, it really grew and developed and, and transpired throughout the year with that. I think it's beautiful. I, and something that was popping in my head as we kind of conclude this conversation, we can talk about other kind of beginning of year items before mm -hmm. we wrap up, but the idea of being student centered sends a message of care and support and maturity. And I think that's a huge thing that when, when we lecture, and I think that's the hardest part, I feel like we get through a ton of procedures and expectations and materials and all these different things that are often and easily teacher driven because we want to get them done and get to learning mm -hmm. doesn't mean it's internalized and um when when you're saying these things like i said it's almost like all of those challenges that we see as teachers are minimized not eliminated minimized i think of like oh the kid that sat in the same spot over and over again well we talk about it, tattling versus reporting like what is mm -hmm. that's a big conversation at the beginning of the year well that is a functional way to talk about does mr rogers need to know does mr ehrman need to know does a school adult need to know if it's hey i want this but someone else took it first or they got up can i move it almost seems like you don't spend a lot of time on the management of kids. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. It's a, you'll figure it out mm -hmm. or you need to find a solution. And I'm trusting that you'll come up with something that works for both sides. So all and helping these... them, and helping them reach that solution. And for some and... students, it's just saying, figure it out others it's me sitting down and talking to them for five minutes talking about let's go over what are possible solutions you know yep. really like you said feeding into what does that that particular child need but i think a, a lot of times and this is the point that I'm, i want to get to is we as educators talk about being a guide on the side for instruction i think a lot of times we think about it from the instruction side they're going to explore their own creativity. They're going to really capitalize and um, expand beyond the, the limits that we put on them. But you're also creating that same experience for all aspects, whole child. They are learning how to interact with other classmates in a method that will be a lifelong skill that they acquire at 11 years old and so 
I think as we wrap up at least this part of the conversation, I think as you transition from can I make this more student-centered is a great question to ask yourself. And if I feel like I'm uncomfortable by that, maybe that's a single activity a day that you set at the, be the first week of school that is going to be a single activity that they get to explore. And if you want to dive in and, and get rid of all the furniture in your classroom, be our guests. It, it will turn challenging and it's exhausting, I'm sure, to just be the puppeteer of everything. But the long outcome, and, and I'm speaking from my end, I had a more structured um, version of what Ken did but the ownership of that classroom is true. The pride of that classroom is true. There is a little thing to, to, I would also say, in addition to administration, let your grade level peers know as well. Um, because that first lunch period when they share, you won't believe what we did in Mr. Ehrman's class, um, is, a, is a tough thing that we often get sensitive to. Um, as, as educators and humans, what's going on, but, um, a really cool environment that when I did it in, like I said, more structured environment, it set a great standard. I didn't have to go all in like Ken did, but my kids still benefited from it and it still felt doable on my standard of, of control and structure and how I wanted to manage things. So, right. um, I, I appreciate and I you bringing say... that up. Yeah, absolutely. I would just say, you know, regardless, take what I want you to take away from this is not about how to set up your room. It's about how to make that impression on day one. What impression do you want to make on your students? And how are you going to get them excited to come back to your classroom on day two? That is a goal that every teacher can have, you know, even as secondary teachers, you know, can you set up your room? No, that doesn't make sense when you have seven classes come in throughout the day. You can't break it down, set it up. You know, maybe you could find a way to, and I've talked with secondary teachers about this, find a way to kind of like have all the classes kind of mutually decide on some aspects of the room to, to design it. But even just a simple way, go to breakoutedu.com or breakout.edu, whatever it is, whatever the website is. And just do a breakout with your kids on the first day, a little, a little like breakout room where you're trying to unlock a box. Just have fun. Bring in curricular concepts if you want. If you don't want to, it doesn't matter. It's the first day of school. Do something where you are setting an impression that you want on the first day. I would, I would push you to try to set an impression that matches the culture of the room that you want throughout the year. That was, that was the, the theme behind mine, but just get them excited to come back on the second day of school. I'll never forget I had a parent call me and say, I've never seen my son excited after the first day of school. And he could not wait to come back to your room on the second day of school. It's a great feeling. It's a great feeling to know that those kids are excited to be in the room because that's ultimately what we want. When they're excited to be there, they're going to learn more. That's a, that's a simple simple reality. So I, I think that's the most important thing to take away from this. When you're, when you're approaching this school year and you're approaching that first day, how are you going to set those impressions to get those kids excited to come back to you on the second day? That's something that every teacher can do kindergarten through 12th grade. I think it's a great point. And one other thing that you have said multiple times, but we could not end an episode without you bringing it up one more time. One of the most powerful things we can do as teachers is to build a relationship with families even before the school year starts. So right now is a great time to do Ken's favorite teaching trick, um, which is to reach out to families. It doesn't have to be a crazy long conversation, but I, I, I almost think going into before meet the teacher night, um, I would assume, I know people have done postcards before, whatever the case may be, that may be, if you wanted to do something different like Ken did, might be a great thing to prioritize and say, hey, I know meet the teachers on Wednesday. I'm going to call every parent by end of the day Tuesday so that my first interaction with them is professional, as we were kind of talking about before, and my second interaction will be in our environment 
getting them in there and maybe it'll feel a little bit more comfortable as you approach these crazy concepts and experiences that you hope to to carry out throughout the the rest of the year and i'll say real quick setting a standard like this at the beginning of the year of communication but also learning experiences and watching the kids thrive in it is so contagious for the rest of the year there's never been a time and even when things blew up in my face there's never been a time where i said I don't want to try this or something like it again in the future. It definitely fueled me to continue to to pull other experiences into the classroom. Well, and and with what you were saying about that, you know, I would call every I would call every family before uh, meet the teacher night. And I think sending postcards are great. Sending a letter is great. Um, doing anything to reach out to them before the school year is great. Doing something that's that's all that matters. Um, but it's one of those things where when you do something a little bit different, which I think calling is a little bit different, not setting up your room is different, and you do something that is a big action, it sets a big impression. I mean, there's, <clears throat> I would always say to my kids, this is our room. But when I literally don't set up the room, I could not make it more obvious to them that I, I meant that. I truly meant that. And when you call every family, I would get at least half of them as voicemails. I've said before, I don't like making small talk. I'm not comfortable talking to strangers. It was a usually a two-minute phone call, just I'm excited to have your child. If you need anything, don't hesitate to reach out to me. That's all I wanted them to hear. But you know, they're, when they get that phone call, every person is having the realization, wow, he's calling 30 people? That's a lot of time. That, that taking that time is, is again, setting an impression of I'm, I'm taking an extra effort versus sending something standardized. And so, like I said, doing anything to reach out before the school year is super important. But anytime you can do something to just set a little bit of an impression just by the action, I think speaks volumes too. And also following up it when you do have to call parents throughout the year, obviously, if there's an issue, there's comfort. You're not like, Hey, I've, I've been communicating a ton. You haven't been reading my emails. There's an element of making that communication first, but also like everything else makes those communications shorter and more direct throughout the year of maintenance. Hey, I'm just calling to share this awesome thing that happened. I, I have started calling before I have them and I call the, within the second day of school Sometimes first day, sometimes second day, especially if it's a new kid that came in um, throughout from a new different school um, or throughout the school year. By the second day that they're there, it could be I've gotten kids in April um, call by the second day that they're in there and check in. And, and you'll never believe the insight you get in just a three minute phone call to a parent of just saying, you know what? Yeah, and many times it's, hey, my kid has loved being with you. Okay, great, we're gonna continue to make that a priority and do whatever we can. Um, but it's definitely one of those things that you will not regret um, unless you don't do it. And then you may regret it, for sure. So that's all I got for you, Ken. Do you have any other insight that you would suggest going into the beginning of the, the school year, kind of words of wisdom besides um, what you've already shared um, to, to make this year. I, I know it's still, we're, we're in, as we're recording this, it's one of those, I'm not sure exactly what the regulations are going to be like, what the, the, what my classroom can look like. It's going to be flexible until honestly the days the kids walk in in the morning. Um, that uncertainty is tough, but what would you kind of say to any other follow-ups? Well, I, I would just say on that note, I, I think this year more than ever, you know, depending where you teach, what it looked like last year, you have potentially a lot of kids returning for the first time in a very long time. And so to just repeat what I said before, getting them excited to come back on day two, you, as teachers, we're supposed to set objectives measurable outcomes there's your one measurable outcome for day one are they excited to come back that's it that is a goal that i think everybody can strive to to accomplish it doesn't matter what you do it doesn't have to be anything about student-centered learning it doesn't have to be anything about the way you set up your classroom 
get them excited to come back to your room on day two <clears throat> and then continue that continue that excitement from from that point forward as much as you can and so no i i just wish everybody best of luck as we start the school year i'm, I'm excited to to get back into things and uh and and continue our conversations every other week with with our guests that we have lined up all right well ken i think you passed uh this time you did a great job sharing um and you may not replicate exactly what he did but um we all wish you to um just have an incredible year and make this a memorable and uh kind of intentional year i know um a lot of that comes with mental flexibility as well it's going to be um as challenging as any other year you've ever had and we just came off of many of us the hardest year we've ever taught so um, the kids deserve your very best and they have much shorter memories uh, than we do so uh, as always, we hope you are happy, healthy, and well. And uh, as we powered down this episode, hopefully we left you feeling powered up. We will talk to you next time.